the infant or toddler or whatever has experienced it is like, oh, I have this essential, this like sense of the world, like in a sort of bigger and it's, as John was saying, not of this, not of this world. And it feels really, really good. And then there's this wound and I, I can't have both. I can't inhabit that or experience that essential quality and bear this wound at the same time. And so I have to manage the wound to try to get back to where I was. And I think the reality is for all the types, it's being able to see that the wound is actually what takes you back to the essential quality. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with Bioling 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self president sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self president with 854 Fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self president social 3 wing 4 with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. We're back with Courtney Smith to do more object relationship. We have interrupted our inner lines discussion uh, to talk about other things because if you're using the Enneagram right, time is not linear. Hey, Amica. Hey, what's up? Hi, Nancy. Hi. Um, I was going to tell Nancy, I don't know if she got a chance to listen to the recording to, to get any of the stuff that she missed on six no. and nine. I haven't um, gotten to it. I've been doing school all night. It just makes the types make a lot more sense. That's, yeah. I'm really, I'm excited about listening to six and nine. Especially six. I'll be back in a second. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> especially six. Problem children. Yeah. That was the one that threw me for a loop. I'm like, wow. Did it really? Well, just the way it's phrased, it just it just all of a sudden made sense for mm-hmm. like sixes finally made sense in the sense that um, I don't know what I want, but I've replaced what I want with doing anything to get support. And it's like, I would rather hear that than read any description about six because I can understand that. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Mm. It, it makes the six crazy insanity, whatever, kind of contradictions and all that shit, it all of a sudden makes sense. All of that shit makes sense. Now. And then you just feel sorry for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we support you. <laughs> well, it just gives me more intelligent ammunition on how to terrorize my sixes. <laughs> Which is just what they need. That's, That's exactly what they need. More terror in their life. <laughs> Deny them the support that they need. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting. As I was saying on the attachment types, like the three always, like always was the clearest to me. And when I like stumbled on like, oh, they just haven't individuated. And that must be true for all of the type, all the attachment types in some way. I was like, no, surely not for the six (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) 
this funny. can't be. It must be something. It, it must be something different. And I like tried all of these different ways to try to like ignore that like truth. And I was Aww. like, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Like it just. I can't deny it. Um, That's the worst part of the enneagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can never and, deny your awful truth. And the thing that really struck me was uh, how unreasonable the hexat types seem <laughs> it's like it's such an unreasonable reaction when you're a, a baby or a child to just say no this is not good enough this is or i'm rejecting it or i'm completely cutting it off versus i don't i'm just let's see if we can make this work <laughs> which is what the attachment types are are trying to do i just the contrast is really uh stark i'm uh, i'm glad to hear the hexad types say that because that's what I was thinking listening to it. I'm like, that makes no <laughs> logical sense whatsoever. I, I think it's probably the wisest thing we could have done. Mm-hmm. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to respond to this. <laughs> I, I'm frustrated with that uh, notion. With the singular, the singular thing you know that keeps you alive, you're angry at it and want to push it away. Yeah. <laughs> And then I started also thinking, I think we touched on this there at the end, the implications for wings and uh, the fixes, because this sort of sheds some new light. I mean, we've kind of touched on this with if you have another a type is a fix that is a rejection type. And so you're double and you're a rejection type. like So double rejection, what does that mean? So just like looking at where you're stacked in what direction and looking at what those themes are. So if you have a lot of rejection types, like now this adds like some really clear um, distinctions on what that means for how your life is um, oriented. I'm trying to think of your guys' trifixes. Are any of you double rejection types? Me and John are double rejection. We are uh, trifix twins, but from a different- Oh, that's right. Different That's right. Does it feel disjointed? I mean, reality feels disjointed to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everything feels profoundly disjointed. But I don't know if, you know, from the contrast from somebody with attachment type, then I'm like, I just, I feel like reality is this like vacuous mind hole that I'm like looking into the mouth of. We did a call. Uh, there was one, the first time me, David and John were on here because Nancy couldn't make it. David did uh, or had a topic, and that was just to talk about 458. So it was kind of an interesting conversation to try to figure out, like, how to make some distinctions for, this is way before the TriFix calls, um, Mm -hmm. distinctions for what we were like. Because, I mean, when you are a type, you don't, you think you're normal. So it's kind of sometimes (laughs) hard to pinpoint, like, the perspectives that come about from double rejection, double reactive type. Um, but one of the things that I, I remember from that that David pointed out is that it's the overimpression that sort of like that amputated sense that there's no way there's any sort of link between myself and, and anyone else. And so there's an overassumption of separation. And I don't think that word really gets at what's going on. I think this new episode is kind of giving me new vocabulary for what's going on, but it's, it's this, I, I noticed that a lot of times people over assume that they are connected, related, or um, involved 
relevant. Yeah, just there's a so there's an over. I've noticed that there's an over assumption that there isn't anyone on planet Earth who can really relate to me. And it's like a severing more than a separation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just where um, amputation comes in. Right. right. And so that word really gets at what I assume reality is for everyone else, including myself. I, I assume that that's what interesting as even, a being is. And even using the word over, that's from your perspective, right? Yes. Your projection perspective. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and so a lot of times when I see attachment types reacting online to anything that people say or <laughs> when you see them existing <laughs> you know somebody says something and they they take it on like you know that this has affected me mm-hmm. um, or this is an attack on me and it feels like nothing can affect you unless you like you know like how how does that happen so in immediately and innately that something enters <laughs> like that's what's happening with me on the whole not a four thing that's why i'm such a neurotic freak on that <laughs> yeah. is is i'm attaching into the these all these other people's problem right yeah yeah i'm, getting, I'm involving myself and i'm and i'm making it my problem yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. i like, live you, for you those got, moments david you've got like never-ending juice for it and i yeah. come in I come in and out of that stuff with waves of it has to be something, you know, an interesting angle for me to give a shit like over the long term, you know, something in it for you. Well, yeah. (laughs) 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 It's amazing how you guys can just like not have something affect you. You're just like, nah, that just blows my mind. (laughs) I envy that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the, um, the opposite honestly it's you know the opposite kind of uh, makes me nauseous in a sense of like on a on a visceral well yeah you've made that clear <laughs> no, they're like like on a visceral like you know like on, on a on the visceral like personality when you feel into another energy like that, mm-hmm. that yeah. is something that you're like the nausea is like you're uh actually rejecting that stance or that quality or whatever and so like um you know sometimes especially with like bermuda types it's so opposite to me that there is this sort of a disorientation that sets in when I like really let myself sort of feel like try to feel into all the energies of the types and yeah it just feels like uh I mean what comes to (laughs) what comes to me is like who are you then you know which is (laughs) that's a great question we ask ourselves every day (laughs) you don't have that like what do you have you know the sensation the sensation that I imagine when I feel into Bermuda types is like be, you know those wobbly things that people use for exercise that they, they try to balance on, but it's like super unstable, and you're constantly trying to stay get stay upright. Yeah, and, and trying to do stuff. You're trying to run your errands, but you're doing it on that thing, and so it just feels like just get off that thing. Just get off that thing. That is so funny. <laughs> trying to find a balance. Yeah. Right. Right. Constantly in flux and never, (laughs) never stable in anything. That's pretty interesting because John and I have been talking about like thinking about practices that can kind of like supercharge growth. And which is one of the, you know, like things I think everyone is aware needs to be added to the system of the Enneagram, right. For it to have meaning and to have actual 
push. Um, and as a six, I actually have like a bunch of those surfaces and I deliberately do a ton of exercising on them mm. uh, as a way to like figure out how to have like, it forces me to create internal stability Yeah. instead of relying on the ground. Like it's, in, it's inherently unstable what's below you. Yeah. So figure out how to get it internally. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, the attachment types just feel uh, slippery and <laughs> it just feels dangerous. Like I, I can't, can't have any sure footing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mind's been racing about this stuff. Just, you know, the implications on, on like the fixes, uh, the wings, and then how this looks with the instinctual drive, but it just opens things up in terms of conceiving of the types and yeah, yeah, just really opens things up. I was talking to Courtney, uh, you know, like 30 minutes ago because Courtney needs a lot of attention. <laughs> and, Damn and, social uh, types. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so we were, we were talking and exploring like the essential qualities and things like this. And um, when we were going through uh, and we got to one, Courtney was a one fix was like, oh, I just, I just immediately get this one. You know, like it's just so clear. <laughs> And I thought that was a super interesting response because it's like, you know, we're talking about the essential qualities, but her gut fix, it's not her dominant type. So something that I've been sort of circling the drain around for a while is what, it, what it, like, how would you understand or start approaching like the essence, like the, the tri-fix as an essential constellation or something? And, you know, given like Emika that like we're the same, but opposite. Yeah. Like what would be like, instead of it just being like, oh, I'm a four and he's a four, uh, you know, so we have the same essential quality that we're sort of coming from. But like if we have the same tri-type, but a different order. Yes. Like that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's, an, that's something that I've wanted to explore to see if you could triangulate the essential qualities of the three fixes to come up with what what does these three fixations or essential qualities you know can you come up with one word that sums that up right that can um illustrate what those three fixes together are doing and then that, that's something you could actually work with if you could kind of bring it all integrated together courtney and i were talking about this too and um you know i was talk, talking to a couple about this with a couple of folks over time because i'm sort of fleshing it out but I've been studying uh, like shamanism, like ethnographic, like understanding of shamanism, uh, that it's not just like a white guy from like some retreat center telling me about it. And, you know, one of the tools of the shaman is aesthetic, right? Like whether it's dancing or art making of some kind or music. And generally speaking, uh, like we know from just like the word sensitive and the confusion of nine and four that that leads to how faulty language is for getting at these essential experiences. But aesthetic impressions are probably the closest things that the personality can use as a bridge to engage an essential quality. And so, you know, like I've been, as somebody who's been lucky enough to, uh, have gone to like like several sacred spots like Egypt and India and you know places like this. One of the things I'm struck by, like just in Egypt, for example, 
is going to different temples and the different temples have different qualities. And it's not just like, oh, this is a goddess and then this is a whatever god. It's like each uh, temple and each deity is usually like, you know, they're not even, the deities are not even considered as like distinct beings from each other. They all kind of blend. And it's, so it's sort of, I wonder then if there is like the way to approach something like trifix essence would be from the point of view of, you know, some kind of aesthetic that you could point to or evoke. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of what comes up in the collages too, that, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. the aesthetic constellation um, is like the closest thing that you can get to pointing to essence without occluding it. Like, cause language occludes it. Yes. Yeah. Totally. 100% because I feel like the, Interesting thing about the collage exercises, even though people don't understand how it works, because it's it's not verbal, you can look at an image and it, it evokes something in you. And over time, people start to, you know, develop some sort of language of expressing what they're getting from a set of images. But it's a feeling, you know, it's expressing something. And even when we write up reports, like it doesn't, you're trying to capture something that, um, words can't do justice and maybe that's the only way that you can get at it what you're mm-hmm. talking about yeah for for people listening who don't know what the hell we're saying um go to anygrammar.com like it's two m's right yes two m's yeah and david and emica have a collage exercise and interpretation things and you can see examples there our conversation inspired me to do it actually right. so oh yeah we uh, yeah we got your order so I have it already. I just can't. That's not a conversation for right now. But I, I, I need maybe a little. John said I'm very high maintenance. I might need a little help. <laughs> <laughs> make make sure you make a couple. We need about two or yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Do a, do two or three if you can. Yeah, yeah, I saw that twenty image minimum, and I was not happy about that. Making <laughs> <laughs> collages is a lot of is a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like showing people your genitals, you know. <laughs> no, it's more pressure than that. Way more. <laughs> Nancy so can do that wanna... anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to ask. Yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all listening, don't see the Zoom calls that we're on. <laughs> <laughs> so, right John, one of one of the things that, like, where you were talking about, like, for me, like, so my fix is six three one, and just sort of my own experience, like as we were talking about essential qualities and also the the work and the thinking I did about and the feeling I did about object relations, um, you know, the six, the experience was hardest for me to sort of capture. And that essential quality is also more elusive for me. And I'm just sort of curious whether like everyone else on the call also feels that way about whatever their dominant type is within the tri- their trifix, or if it's something about the Bermuda types that it's hard, that essential quality is, is, is harder to land on. That, that makes sense, actually. Usually when we say Bermuda, we're meaning people that are 369 trifix, but yeah. But or the attachment, if you have a, if your types. primary is an attachment type, if that's by definition more elusive for you, or if it's anyone's yes. primary type. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Like seven and four is like bit red alarms for me. Like I can see it just immediately. Whereas I don't know, I don't even know what nine is. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, neither, David, do, neither do any of us. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. true. Yeah. Uh, David, didn't you say at one point that um, I think we're, we were on a call, but you said the Bermuda types have the hardest time feeling their own type and they are much more likely to feel their fixes or wings. Fixes and wings. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And instincts too. And then some people mistake their instinctual stacking. Mm, they, yeah. they type it as a, as an Enneagram type, right. Yeah. And see that and so on. Yeah. I, I, as a four, like my essential quality is so clear. It's hard mm-hmm. to describe sometimes and like language always feels really inadequate. So it's like, it might be the most challenging for me to give voice to, but the feeling and experience of it is like, you know, it's absolutely clear. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like the hexat types, um, at least for me, like the essential quality one, the first time I heard it and I was like, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, well, you know, like just, this, the sensation of that, it. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what that feels like. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when I hear the attachment types talk about how, you know, just through the process of typing or even just like experiencing the, their essential quality, like even grasping it conceptually, being difficult, it, I don't understand what's going on there. That speaks exactly to the non-individuation of the attachment mm-hmm. types right yeah. there. For me, one way that I kind of, it, well, one thing it feels like to me trying to trying to find my type and my um, essential quality is kind of like understanding a really hard math problem. Like it's almost there and I'm like, yeah, kind of, but like there's just one piece missing that I don't think I'll, it feels like I'll never get. So I don't mm. know if you can relate to that. Just as I've been like sort of thinking in my head and then of course, making John talk to me before this call. Uh, (laughs) High maintenance. My life is very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Poor John. Uh, So anyway, so like, as I've been like sort of reflecting on the different types, like one of the things that I think I was sort of realizing is that the non-attachment types um, are basically sort of like over relying on their dominant center. and doing it, it gets kind of distorted um, because it's being over-relied upon. Damn, yeah, that makes but sense. The, yeah. But the attachment types are actually kind of subduing their dominant center. Or I think of it sometimes as an on-off relationship. Like sometimes you're on in a certain way with your center when you're an attachment type, and, and, but mostly you're off, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the, like it's turned off. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or you're floating in some way um, and, and pinging into the other centers that fills the vacuum. Right. And that's part of the confusion. Well, right? I thought for me, what what you're saying that you're turned off, but you're still like what Courtney's saying is still true, that you're still over reliant on this on that center. But you're also turned off to it. True. Both. <laughs> Which is. It's just the the part of it that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, like six wanting and needing support, but also disconnected from how to figure out what they want. And nines being disconnected from their boundary making facility, which is the gut, but at the same time being sort of over identified into their body impressions of reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and three um and I think I forgot how to say it. I mean, I, 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 I feel like I have it, but I can't really say it. It's okay, man. You don't have to include me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I thought Courtney's uh, image of the false body, false heart, and false mm. mind was really like yes, compelling. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah, like I, I like their the uh, I like this sense of um, over relying. I mean, like it, like coming at least from the feeling triad point of view two and four are obnoxiously over relying on different but like completely opposite aspects of the center mm-hmm. you know and like i mean two is just like i'm gonna love and love and love you and put my tongue in your ear and then the four <laughs> is like you know just pulling away to find just me just me just me and it was funny like uh in the call that uh courtney and i were having you know courtney was having a hard time feeling the four space from the heart center experientially were you trying to sort of find them internally or is that what you mean by she was having a hard time what do you mean courtney <laughs> i thought you said courtney was having trouble finding yeah. the no, four. I, courtney was I having wa- trouble yeah but i, yeah, I didn't want to put I, words in her mouth for yeah okay. and i are i articulated oh, that I that like when you know like when john was talking about it like to the extent i could feel it move me like it wasn't in the heart it was like a more kind of like wonder or sort of like just more like a mental understanding of it and so because of that I was like missing it a little bit because one of the reasons we were talking about all of this is as we sort of talked about on the call a couple of days ago this idea that and it gets to a little bit at the the bravery and the audacity of the frustration types um you know if each of these types is able to sort of sense uh, an essential quality, the particular wound that they, you know, sort of most identify with or feel most most deeply, and the affect that they take on to sort of deal with that, I think in some ways should be connected to whatever essential quality they experience. And so I was trying to figure out that like, you know, if you're, if the one's essential quality is integrity, you know, I can kind of visualize that as you try to walk out on your own and sort of try to function, you know, independently, that bodily sense of alignment is going to feel crumpled potentially. You're going to mm-hmm. feel any sort of like, if it, if it's off, you're going to experience that more acutely than other types will. and you're going to use frustration. I mean, you can feel it in your own body when you're like frustrated, you know, you feel very self-righteous. It kind of temporarily restores a feeling of, of alignment. So I was trying to like sort of think through the connection for each one of those. And because I couldn't get clarity on like what the four's essential quality was, it was hard for me to try to connect the object relations piece of it. And so that's why for me, it was so, this is like a rambling way of explaining why I don't think I can do that work. And to the extent that I can do it, I don't think I can do it unless I have a felt quality. If I can actually kind of glimpse in my own self a little bit, that essential quality first. Absolutely. John, can you do a quickie on, we probably should do all of them if we haven't at some point, I can't even remember, but a quickie on the four essential quality. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, like I said before, that sometimes being succinct about it because it's my own and I want to like capture it, right? You know, it gets can be a little difficult, but um, so to preface it, like words sometimes obscure the real thing. So it's like the best we got is words. So, uh, you know, whatever, but 
I think of it as essential depth. And, um, you know, what the four is going for, and, and this speaks to Courtney's observation about the over-reliance on the heart center, or o- like of the hex head types over-relying on their own center. Well, actually, to step back first, all essential qualities you can experience when you're present. And if you can't experience them when you're present, it's not an essential quality, right? Or you might have a blockage to that essential quality. So when you're really present, there's this sense that everything is manifesting and myself is emanating from some deeper source, right? It's like there's something mysterious that's giving rise to all this. And it's like the more you, you could say, focus or bring awareness to anything, it just deepens and saturates. There's more texture and there's more dimensionality. And, and it's not like a visual thing. It's like a felt sense of things deepening. And like to my point earlier about going to like temples and stuff, there's certain temples that have this deep mystery heart, you know, tunnel feeling. And so part of the essential quality is looking for the heart of the heart of the heart of the something going into the core. And that's where the fours thing about trying to be my unique personal distinctly my own thing that's separate from everything else because it's like what is the most distilled kernel of identity pushing away from and 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 so the personality translates that into i have to push away from the surface of things i have to push away from what's common mundane and like other things because that's not the unique thing and so it becomes this uh view that reality is or or the material world is artificial and and empty and and fake is making sense Mm -hmm. so courtney can you ping off of that so what what so that was hard to sort of try that on to the extent that it feels kind of beautiful to me and sort of like essential it initially i just enter it through like kind of my wing as a five more of a five kind of it's like understanding like the depths Mm. of the universe or something like as opposed to a singular self, like locating it within. Like for me, what helped me get it more and more as John was talking about it is almost as if it's like sourcing essence yourself within. Yeah, Just that's a great way to put it. And right. by mm-hmm. definition, because that's kind of this intangible quality, you know, anything in this world is gonna feel like not it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. especially if it's imperfectly delivered. And so the four who is constantly kind of trying to, to Im- re- return to that feeling of essence, but is living in this world, you know, is going to ping pong back and forth between like with retreating and to the extent they bump up at the world saying like, nope, not it. <laughs> no. no 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 that's my (laughs) my italian wife uh and you can picture then that they're going to be sensitive on both pieces of what it's like to exist in this world both parts of having an ego both the the sense of being seen and having um a heart but also being um a creature with who makes decisions and then acts on them all of that space is going to violate and feel like it's compromising an intangible quality of essence. Um, But the searching quality of the four trying to return to it is going to mean that's the frustration. The frustration is what's fueling the search. 
Because mm. it's pushing away from things. It's like, no, fuck that. That's not it. Well, and because it's by definition intangible, the only way you're going to be able to define it actually is by saying what it's not. Exactly. So is the truth then that that extreme um, sort of perfect individuality, you might say, is it there or is that, and, and that's what it means that it's an essence quality, is that it actually does exist inside the four if you keep digging and digging or being or just being present or is it a lie and a neurosis that is built around i mean i don't know if this is going to answer your question but i think one of the i mean we're speaking kind of like in abstract terms and we're really sort of talking about the like almost what is like a small child's felt of experience what it's like to live in this world and not really understand it my understanding of essence is that it's not um to your question david yeah that it's not like a, a destination like it's just something that you're being in because i mean i think that's the first thing you uh you think of when you hear the word like power or depth it's like all right so there's something you can actually get to at some mm -hmm. point but it feels it seems like based on what i've heard anyway that essence is just like um something that you can only momentarily experience like it's um a state and, well, and not a destination yeah i mean you're, you're right uh like part of what makes the type the type or what makes a person you know the enneagram anything is that we mistake essence and personality mm -hmm. um and that they're they're they exist in a sense in two worlds right like the personality is this mechanism that helps us navigate and negotiate our instinctual well-being you know so like the personality and the thing that we take to be ourselves is a self based on what's going to meet my personality needs so uh you know and seeing it in that light and we can do a whole thing on just that what that means but um seeing in that light makes the personality it shows us how insignificant it is and yet because in this early, you know, like what, what Courtney used the, the term misses in the last call we were on mm -hmm. um, to talk about, the, like to describe the kind of wounding or the, the incongruence or the, um, or the, you know, the lack of seeing that creates a, a certain disparity. It's like when we start to form a personality because we start to have to learn how to regulate our own uh, biological life. Um, what we have is the the sense of essence, and so we shape the personality according to this faint impression of essence. Um, but essence is not functional; it doesn't do anything, and it's not like uh, it's not like a drug experience or like fireworks or like no, I'm in essence, like I'm awake from the matrix. You know, it's not that thing. It's like it's actually very subtle and yet very profound at the same time. And so part of what our, our aim is, is learning to be our essence be, and not be identified with the personality and have a personality that is well-functioning and regulated, but that the essence qualities are actual qualities of our own consciousness. And so they don't produce any effects. And Courtney and I were talking about this. It's like, uh, both, like both, at least the Abrahamic religions and the Vedic tradition, and probably more, but that's what I can think of, 
uh, sort of frame spiritual advancement in terms of miracles and doing things. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's misleading because it gets this people this idea that the essence quality is going to be the result or the production or the gift of my type. And really it's like this, the, the qualities of essence are what we actually, what our consciousness actually is that is inhabiting this body. And so it's not something that is done or performed. And it's like, you really have to have a radical sense of letting go of results and letting go of uh, achievement on, on, profound levels that the personality gets a little like gets into like a bargaining mode around but um Mm -hmm. yeah essence is the fabric or the substance of our our awareness and one of the tests of how to discern that is can you contact it when you're present or not does that make sense Mm -hmm. okay and i think one of the things about the object relations that we were talking about last time is that the inherent reaction to a to the to the wound that all types are experiencing and then trying to figure out what to do you know they're trying to get back to that feeling that sense that felt sense but because they're they're trying to achieve something they're trying to achieve it and they're trying right. to achieve it through managing somehow right right you know, ma- altering their sort of sense of you know what what's really happening here they by definition actually miss it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's part of what creates the paradox of the personality versus the essence, which is the very things that the personality is trying to do um, to return to the sort of its the gifts that that being can experience at like sort of a higher level. It actually takes you further away because they're so effortful. And, de- exactly. to, and, and to yeah. deliberately effortful. The grasping makes it go away. Yeah. Right. And, and trying to like do depth, right? Like mm-hmm. as Courtney is saying about doing depth means all this frustration is used to push away surface, right? And it's like depth is not a experience achieved through pushing away surface because it's on another level. It's on a higher world. And I was just thinking about the eight version of this. And I think I remember something you sent me years ago, John, when I'd asked you for a description of the essential quality of eight, or I think maybe you'd sent sent something to me to, to check it out. Um, That makes a lot more sense to me now about how the sort of amputating of eight of this nurturing function, which is like cutting off your heart means like there's a deadening means that I, my ability to even feel anything is severely compromised, which means I've got to push to just feel alive, (laughs) to feel like I'm here. Um, And so when seen in that sort of way, it's like, oh shit, this is like, for me to get back to this sense of the essential quality of power, I have to feel like I have to overcome this amputation. Right of not being able to feel anything by pushing. Yeah. So it really illustrates, I want to, I want us to do all do this sort of, not only say summary, but it paints a picture of what the structure of each type is up to based on these essential quality um, object relations wound and how they're trying to 
how the structure of the type is trying to navigate that problem or separation. Yeah. And I think the other thing is the way that the infant or toddler or whatever has experienced it is like, oh, I have this essential, this like sense of the world, like in a sort of bigger and it's, as John was saying, not of this, not of this world. And it feels really, really good. And then, you know, this, there's this piercing or sharpness or assault or, you know, this like this wound. And I, I can't have both. The I can't inhabit that or experience that essential quality and bear this wound at the same time. And so I have to manage the wound to try to get back to where I was. And I think the reality is for all the types, it's being able to see that the wound is actually what takes you back to the essential quality. Right. And you're talking about the object relations wound? Yes. Right. Can you say more about that with six, with your type? <laughs> That's going to be the <laughs> hardest one. Emma, <for> <laughs> <laughs> could you please not fuck with Courtney? <laughs> I was all ready to do your type. <laughs> you could do my type. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, let me do your type because it's easier for me. And I like, okay. and someone else maybe can do my type. But like you spoke about it so eloquently that this idea of like your full sense of aliveness and capacity and ability to show up in this world, if you have deadened half of that. You can't actually, you can't embody that in its fullest sense, right? Right. And so it's only through, as painful as it is, dealing with, you know, the fact that like we're human beings. And so as we experience human efforts at unconditional love, they by definition do not feel perfect. And they by definition hurt us. That hurt is what by sitting in it and being present with it allows you to actually feel your full capacity. Say the essence quality for eight again, somebody. Power. And, and, and what does that mean? So uh, easily misinterpreted because we have associations with what power is, but it's like, you know, when you're present, you really feel here and you feel, you know, let's say, most of the time we feel a little bit two-dimensional. Uh, it's like feeling in 3D. It's like, I'm here. I'm like, it's, there's a mm -hmm. profound sense of substantiality and vitality, but it's not just in me, it's in everything. And I feel not only uh, protected, but I also feel like I can make really deep contact. There's that line to two in there. And something that I always like to bring up around this is that you can go to like a sacred site like a you know a church or a whatever temple and you can feel a powerful silence in the sense that like mm -hmm. there's there's this there's a sacred sense of boom here but it's mm -hmm. it's like an absence or an emptiness and there's that line of five you know mm -hmm. um so it's it's got all that it's and so the personality interprets it as i gotta make effort i gotta push i gotta amp this up to get that kind of contact Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can feel that. Interesting. Okay, I think I can do my type now. All right. <laughs> John, do you want to say what the essential quality is? 
for the sick or somebody else. Well, I, 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 I'm interested in your thoughts because, uh, you know, this is just my interpretation of sex, but I kind of think of uh, the essential quality of sex as like truth. And it's not like, oh, this is like factually true or not, but it's like a sense of realness. It's like, it's kind of like authenticity. And it's, it's kind of like uh, the real thing that holds things together that underlies things. And like, I feel like a lot of the six's personality is around searching for something to be true or real. You know, can I prove it? Can I figure it out? Can I seek it out conceptually? And I overthink it and whatever. But I think it's a much more simple and direct felt sense of this is like a real relationship or a real friendship or a real experience. Or Do you know what I'm trying to, trying to say? Mm-hmm. Does that feel right? Yeah. Like I'm always it's like, for me, it's always like, does this make sense to me? Like, do I register this as like, yeah, it makes sense um, that I seeing seeing things clearly is like a good am I glimpsing reality like at its, at its deepest level? Right. And I think that, you know, the reality, the reality is, um, you know, in this world, sometimes often that's a hard thing to feel. And the loss of that sense of like, this is reality, especially I think if you've glimpsed it and had a felt sense of it is, is profoundly disorienting. It's like, where am I? You know, I, I just, I don't, I can't locate myself because I can't feel reality. And I think part of what the six is doing is that disorientation is so painful uh, that they're trying to fix that we are trying to fix the disorientation. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we lean into whatever support we can, we assume that the fix to the disorientation is outside mm-hmm. and we look yeah. for these false structures to kind of make that feeling go away. And I actually think that probably like when I think of my, my own sort of experiences of when I've really known the, I, I, you know, for me, it's also like what I, I have a deep sense of like, what's the right thing to do in this moment in time. And for me, you know, a lot of that, like, sort of look, grasping for structure is like complaining and trying to argue and like get people to like do, like, you know, just sort of like trying to manipulate to fix the disorientation and sort of just instead of just sort of accepting what is, accepting that it is disorienting. And it's only like when I kind of like go into that, that I get actually greater clarity on what. It's almost almost through the acceptance of the disorientation that I actually get still. Right. Mm. Right. It's a little bit like that Bosu ball that I was talking about that I like deliberately mm. do those exercises on. If you try to fight the instability, you fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you just sort of assume it's going to be in- unstable and that's fine, there's nothing bad that's going to happen because it's unstable. Mm. You're actually able to stand quite tall. It's faith. Yeah. That's going to be a really good nugget for some sixes to hear. Mm-hmm. Can we do the three? No, no. <laughs> we're going to skip the three again. Dang uh, it, Emika. <laughs> the, the Enneagram is now the octogram. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> there, there's a meme that I, I'm going to... such an evil laugh, John. 
there, there's a meme of um oh fuck i forgot his name but he's like in his 50s now like good looking guy who's uh on some network television show and there's just some funny cringy videos of him like selfie videos of him just saying hey i'm still here i'm working you know like just cheesing on himself and I just uh, thought it would be a great meme to make of threes whenever they experience any setback or they're overlooked. They're just going to just like pump themselves up. Uh, but it was just a funny example. And I was just thinking about that. We overlooked Nancy again, but she's still on top. Still here. Well, you know, that's what my that's what my tattoo is about. My pigeon. Nobody All wants right. pigeons around, but we still stick around. We're just here. I'm still here. Yeah, just like ba- just like COVID nineteen. Exactly. Nobody <laughs> wants you here, but you're still here. Oh, uh, okay. That's the meme. Type threes. That's COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh gosh. All right. I'm gonna make that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listeners, check out our uh, big hormone Instagram page for uh, the best memes on the Enneagram. This is um, so funny. But uh, nothing to do with coffee and soft blankets. Yeah, fuck, fuck <laughs> coffee and soft blankets and the enneagram. Um, so you want to go in Nancy through the the wound and the essential quality of three? Yeah, let's get in it. Um, I'm gonna do nine as well. Oh my god. <laughs> This is like having kids. <laughs> Which one's your favorite, man? The uh, yeah, the uh, the the, the <laughs> nine's line to three picking up there. Like, <laughs> hey, don't forget about me. All yeah, right? you get, if you're gonna do three, you might as well do nine too. You know, you might as well it's bring a scene. Yeah, <laughs> might as well bring it over here. Um, uh, well, what I mean, he meant to say was that before we do Nancy, you guys need to do mine first. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, nines before I being, threes. I was being a nine about it, though. <laughs> exactly. You weren't going to say it. Couldn't, but, couldn't right. quite do the confrontation. You kind of bitter about it, you know? <laughs> then, but then you're like, oh, so you want to just do nine and then three? It's like, no, no. Really, <laughs> let me be fine. generous it's and do fine. the three first. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. I'll be all right. <laughs> Shut up, David. <laughs> um, so the, the essential quality is I see it. I, I call it value. And it's just this like when you're when you're present, it's like that quality that we're talking about with eight where everything's sort of alive and powerful. It's like everything has value and I have value and everything's sort of precious. Everything is sort of um there there's a sense of like it's kind of a cheesy word, but like intrinsic blessedness, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you really feel that in some places and some holy sites and or your own inner work experience. And so the three senses, like value is something that I've intrinsically am. Um and Courtney can probably talk more about the wound, but what ends up happening is that, you know, it's like you're coming from this non-functional essential place, right? Like being and function are not the same thing. And so you're a little kid and you have that sense of value and intrinsic value, but we live in a functional world. And so value becomes conditional on functioning, on how I do and how I use. So it's like I have the same memory of that soul place, but it feels like it has to be produced 
or worked towards because we live in a function-based, results-based, time-based world. I don't know if you want to add to that, Courtney. Or... Well, I think no, I think that that's great. Um, I, I think the thing that I would sort of want to say is, and it'll be interesting to hear Nancy talk about it, is, you know, I think that that first sense of, you know, you and again, you can imagine that if there's this felt sense of I matter in this world, that my very existence is proof enough that I have value and meaning. If that's a felt sense that you come into the world with, and then with the best of intentions, the person who's trying to take care of you and trying to see you doesn't perfectly do it, the three is going to really feel that. They're going to feel the myth of, I feel myself this way. Why doesn't he or she feel it too? Mm. And so the three says, well, maybe if I do something a little differently, they will. And so that replacement of being with doing that the three does to try to create a sense of value is rooted in this desire to have the outside world match and mirror what was initially sort of an essentially felt quality and a kind of a willingness to sacrifice. I mean, there's sacrifice like all over these things, like sacrifice their own sort of felt sense because they want the external world to feel it too. And the three, to some extent, because they're so aware then, right, of whether there's mirroring going on on the outside world is going to continue to adapt and be willing to make small and sometimes big adjustments in how they act and what they do, what they, how they understand themselves to try to recreate that feeling of value. And from, they made, go ahead. From the outside, right? You're wanting others to say that you have value. Is that part of it, right? Yeah, I think that there's a sense that if, and again, like this is all kind of new in my head, but like, there's a sense that like, I felt myself, I, I felt my value. They don't, they missed me. There must be something wrong with me that I felt it yet they can. What should I do differently? Like this sort of doubt in the felt that initial feeling of essential quality, I think is part of what distinguishes maybe the attachment types from the the other types is instead of sort of saying I felt this and I'm going to try to get back to it it's the attachment type said I I feel this I'm not getting it from the outside world what can I do so the outside world can feel it too mm -hmm. hmm. right yeah that's yeah. great yeah and sometimes I think it even feels like I felt this the outside world doesn't feel it is it even real mm. Mm -hmm. And is that what contributes to the adaptability? Uh, I mean, if it's not real, then you have to change. Mm -hmm. I think it's also like over time, and I can't remember, Nancy, how much of the, we probably were like either on the call or like thinking about leaving the call. And so <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, always. <laughs> you know, I think, what happens is that, and this is what we talked about before, you know, it, there's, because the, the attachment types, and when you think about the three in particular, 
you know, they're now sort of what they're doing then is sort of willing to say, you know, my, what, what was my own felt sense of myself? I, I'm going to sacrifice that to what resonates with the external world. And so, and they're going to do that over and over and over again, over and over and over again. And it's over time, my sense is that emptiness that you're describing is actually was never that it's, it's, it's what's happened due to that kind of willful and, and in some ways, very understandable, deliberate ignoring of what was an internal felt sense of self. And it's what I think makes the threes transition uh, to growth feel really, really challenging is because they don't actually know what they're growing to. <laughs> Whoa. Oof. <laughs> Oof. She's still bringing the pain tonight. <laughs> no Can nights off. Reaching. All you little, all you little pain piggies out there, eat, feast from Courtney's trough of suffering. Oh God, she, she oh, struck you in man. the heart with that one. Yeah, just a bit. You're gonna have to talk to a therapist about that one. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm pointing them next week, so. <laughs> Courtney's just traumatizing everybody listening. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah, this is what we like. This is the- <laughs> I would not have signed up if I didn't want to. This is the, uh, yeah, the, definitely the Pain Piggy uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally, totally. Does no, that resonate just- at all with you? Like- oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because it feels so. I know John has mentioned before that self pres kind of feels like, um, like always they want to go home. So that mixes with my threeness of not really knowing what what that felt sense ever was. So I feel like there's always this sense of like I want to go home and I don't know where that is or what it is, and I know that that's missing. That's, yeah, so that's excellent because you're you're doing a, you're tying in the conflation of instinct, personality, and essence, right? It's mm-hmm. like like we unco- like it's not only that we think that if we do our threeness or our fourness, we'll get our essential quality, but it's if we do our dominant instinct in the style of our threeness or our fourness, we'll get our essence quality. Yeah. And so, you know, for the for the self-pres, it's like this sense like often essence feels like a sense of home that I'm searching for, or like uh some sort of foundation or satiation. And, you know, for social, it's like, you know, this sense of my real place, my real belonging, my real contribution. And and for uh, sexual, it's like the thing that's gonna just annihilate me, right? It's like the uh, ecstasy of Saint Teresa, right? It's like mm-hmm. the 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 pinnacle loss of self. Put all that stuff I, together, and that's that's really powerful mm-hmm. summation of your entire existence, right there. It's that, and then with the with the uh, centers and how each center plays out in each type, that's your map. Mm-hmm. Like like one of the things about the enneagram is that it's like that I have sort of been a in the back of my head project or something that or vision or something is that the any like that there's so many techniques that are used to sort of be a spiritual path or a substitute for a spiritual path 
And I'm not saying the Enneagram is a spiritual path, but it's at least a, it's a map. Yes. Like it's a, it's a, it's not just, it's not just, here's your type. And then now do something else. It's like, it shows you this, the, the pathway to applying techniques to have not just like some grab bag of inner work techniques, but that there is an actual like path and method that can be applied so that you are actually whether or not you're like actually growing in any linear sense, it's not as important as it is to sort of really start to see into what does actual development actually mean? Like what does an actual work on being mean, not just a work on personality? And I think to like bring it back to the three, like all of these types are like, like a dog chasing its tail, right? Where like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's happened? Like, so now, so now we're doing a lot to try mm-hmm. to get a to get a sense of you know a felt sense of our heart and it, it's not working because by definition you know a felt sense of heart is it, the fact that there's doing mixed up in it in the first place has already set us off on the wrong track and really like and i think this is what like when threes like actually do sort of like ha- and we talked about this before like grow like they can they're so powerful they and there's like a big change is because what they've been ignoring is actually like a very powerful, like it's their major, that's their dominant center. So it's, it's actually like, it's a very sensitive instrument that they've been denying, ignoring for a long time. And they've been ignoring it so that they can keep trying this, you know, this sort of jumping through hoops thing that they've got going on. And once they, or we wake up and start allowing that instrument to kind of be part of normal existence, the doing actually in of itself actually becomes more fulfilling because now you've brought a felt sense of your own heart, like that's come through just sort of being in your own self. And now there's actually true reward um, from being in this world. Right. And it's, it's, uh, you know, being and functioning together. And I mean, such a, uh, an image I always use when I, when I teach about that is like Christ on the donkey riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. You know, it's like, if you don't, aren't familiar with that image, it's like, you know, uh, literally Christ riding a donkey into the Holy city seven days before he gets executed by the cops. But, uh, He's, you know, the the idea is that to get into the holy city, which is the metaphor for being what we are, it requires essence, which is Christ riding the donkey, which is the animal. You know, it's that that relationship of the to be human is to have both essence and personality functioning and coordinating together. And our our mistake is that we conceptualize or impose the wrong view of how those two things fit together. The donkey's partly maybe representative of the instinctual self also maybe yeah the body the instinctual self like just the 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 human creature as an animal organism mm-hmm. and you know like the idea is it's not that we do like x y or z that might make us any different from some other kind of organism but it's our capacity or what can make us special and i'm not saying animals whatever like but just you know um <laughs> But the, the thing that, that, that makes a human being fulfill, a fulfillment is that you can bring this biology into intimate cooperation with consciousness. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Nancy, like, I don't know if you, cause you probably have experienced this. I mean, as a three and maybe, I mean, like if there's an equivalent of that, like Boso ball kind of image for you, um, I get it more, most clearly, like when I'm taking care of my children and like 80% of the time, like when I'm changing their diaper or whatever, like I, this was like a long time ago, they're older now, but like 80% of the time, I'm just like changing their diaper and like ready to like check out and move on to the other thing. But there are like moments where like, there's this feeling of like, there is nothing else in the world that I should be doing right now. Like this, this is mm. it. And like, pay attention to like this moment where I'm taking care of this kid right now, because there's nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And this, this is, you know, like if I died after that moment, like it would, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. I get that sometimes with my dog. How <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so? Uh, it, it's usually like um, when we're doing something that makes him really happy. So we're like outside hiking and it's just me and him. And he does this, he's so cute. He does this thing where he like, when we're hiking, he like runs ahead of me and like checks stuff out and then runs back to me to like report. (laughs) Um, And like, it's when he's running back to me and has this face of like, oh my God, I love you. And it's, (laughs) it's just, it's the cutest thing. And sometimes it'll like slow-mo for a second where I'm like, oh my gosh, this dog loves me so much. And like, (laughs) he is like my entire world. And, and anybody that knows me knows that just like my dog is like my child. So that, that, that's when that happens. It's rare nowadays, but it's, it's nice. We've got a hard cutoff here in 15 minutes. And I think type nine is going to take 15 minutes. So start. <laughs> <laughs> David's like, hurry Grace, the fuck oh up. Oh man, thanks for the reminder. I was really worried we weren't going to get to nine. Yeah. Wow. I was, for, I was going to forget about it. Nancy, so uh, tell me more about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely more important than David. So. <laughs> Sometimes we got to like starve these nines of yeah. all their narcissistic supplies. I thought I was your dog. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, man. Oh, okay. I mean, Gurdjieff, Gurdjieff, before we get to nine, Gurdjieff said, um, <laughs> you know, to, that like real love is so monumentally difficult for human beings that uh you know he said he suggested practice love on animals because for most people like in their whole lives they'll never really get to loving human being mm-hmm. oh that, like that it's such a clear path to genuine love so like i could sense a little sheepishness in your voice about your dog but i mean that's a channel to like a genuine selfless love that rarely is uh felt between human beings yeah, no, to be honest, I like I can't talk about him to the extent that I like feel for him because I would burst into tears and I just don't want to. But he like I got him before I started dating my boyfriend and I say all the time like he was what taught me how to love my boyfriend. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Does this mean I got to get a pet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do have <laughs> to yeah. get a pet. Yeah, this is your problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. There you go. Oh, Sorry, no. Courtney, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I have a dog also, and my husband and I um, bought her as, like, or got her as, like, a, a our, our practice project mm-hmm. to some extent before we had children, and mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean mm-hmm. um, uh, in terms of their uh, their demonstration, but also of unconditional love, but also, 
I don't think you know you have it in you until yeah. you're like, exactly. like taking a dog out at like four o'clock in the morning. It's like raining. You're like picking up their <laughs> shit and you're like, I am happy to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't like, realize that you're willing yeah. to give yeah. so much up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think terrible. it's interesting also you can, and you and what's amazing about it is you cannot conceive of it until you mm-hmm. have the dog or the child. Yeah. It's impossible to sort of explain the feeling. Um Ugh. it's like this it's like this I know I I know this is lean into the pain, Emika. <laughs> yeah, really. Really, totally. Uh, it is oh, it is transformative. But anyway, I think it's interesting that like both of us are sort of talking about like acts of service mm-hmm. um, as like the the way for the three and maybe for everyone to sort of ex- like, which is the shift to six, I guess, um, that line. I, I feel visible, like... Uh... I can noticeably see, I can hear your upper lip curling. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it. Just, oh, God. Yeah, well, that's uncomfortable. That's a yeah. Comfortable yeah. Well, thought. we should we should move into the to the place of comfort. Then. Yeah, I should probably get a pet, but. Mm, mm. <laughs> Please get a low maintenance dog for the sake of the dog. <laughs> Maybe I should get a cat that hates me. That that would feel comfortable. <laughs> there you go. You'll yeah, probably you, you'll love it go more. Ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's true. Work. Yeah. I mean, knowing I you, <laughs> yeah, knowing me, yeah, like I, I want to self annihilate through <laughs> feeling pain. Oh, she fucking hates me. I love this cat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that's exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney, what were you saying? Oh, I just. I, you should get one that you can run with, that you can like be very physical with. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, that's that's a really difficult, but it's probably something I'm gonna write that down because it's making me uncomfortable, which means mm-hmm. I probably need to do it. So yeah. And you could always foster a dog for a little bit. You don't have to like adopt one right off the bat. Or a cat. Yeah, a cat probably just because okay. yeah, I've could, dog- you could foster a cat for a while and not have I've- to like yeah, I I dox it for my sister, and I mean I I don't mind doing it and knowing that the the dog is gonna have to leave at some point. Uh, makes it's it okay. Not the same. It's not the same, and yeah, it's like having a kid, and I don't want that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, well then foster a cat. Make sure you don't kill it. Oh yeah, I I can take care. I like pets on a temporary basis but it's sure. i just i just know what happens when because i know there's a switch that turns on once i take ownership of something it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very different thing and it's like i don't want to get there because if, if i do then it's like i don't care what happens to this pet like you know what i mean like i'm gonna go one thousand percent so i try my best to prevent that from happening because once like it's like I know that I don't want kids, but I know that if for some reason I were to have a kid, everything changes. Like now my life is about that fucking kid, and there's nothing I'd be able to do about it. It's just gonna happen because the switch is gonna turn on, and I don't want that switch to turn on. So it's like this fucking training for that. <laughs> I'm like no, no, but yeah, I probably need to do it. Let's uh, let's get on to our poor little nine. Okay, uh, <laughs> he's, he's no, like I think I have the corner nine. salivating. The pet, I have the more shit to nine. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We just negged the nine for like five minutes. 
you have no idea the rage. The crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> talking about pets instead of talking about nine. <laughs> like, oh my god! Oh no. oh Ultimate no. passive aggressive move against a nine. There you go. <laughs> hey, look at that cute dog. <laughs> I'm not John, saying. you should. I'm sorry, you should do the essential quality. Let's do it. All right, the essential quality is like the label I have for the name is harmony, and it's it's like um, you know. So if we start with eight, because I think eight is so clear, it's like eight is this vital. I'm really here. You're really here. Everything's really here, and we're just like there's just this sense of potency. But then harmony is. It's like the view of everything's every potent thing sounding its note, right? Like, mm. like all that, like I'm really here and you're really here. It's like the whole thing becomes an orchestration. Mm-hmm. And so everything is dynamically sounding its note in the totality. And what happens is like if you're, you're I don't know, listen to a, some kind of piece of music and some instrument comes in and it obscures like the background music for a second and you try to switch your attention to the background music, you kind of throw yourself off of the sound. And so it's like with nine, they want that focus on everything sounding its note, but they want it to such an extent that they will delete parts of themselves in a sense to maintain the the symphony, to maintain the music, right? It's like, if I'm I'm really present with all the different emotions and reactions and feelings and anger and agitation, that it's going to obscure or cloud over that sense of harmony. And so that's one of the reasons I think of sloth, the passion of the nine, as self-fragmentation. Like not all of me can be on the same page. And that that accounts for a lot of the like the foggy sort of uh shifting thinking sometimes that nines can get into because it's like we can't all be on the same page my heart and my thoughts and my body can't all be on the same page and so when like when the personality takes over and i lose sense of that essential harmony um i the the personality starts to view harmony as a lack of friction trying to create harmony by like omitting parts of oneself and it's like trying to keep the wholeness going in, in, but by, by numbing other parts of oneself or things in the environment that seem to be disruptive to that sense of harmony. So in, in a sense, you are cutting yourself off from the actual essential harmony by doing that. You're trying to take away disagreement. Right. Yeah. It seems from the personality level threatening to the, the whole, even though these disagreements, so to speak, are part of the whole. They're part of the symphony. They're part of the symphony. And for nines too, it's like, in a sense, they're listening to every part of the music so much that in a way that they like kind of overwhelm themselves if they're not really grounded. So it's like, you know, you, uh, you start, you're, you're open to the whole and you're trying to be reverent to the whole in a way that you start to kind of fall over because you're just keeping your unconsciously keeping absorbing everything to the point where you start to get, get mixed up in yourself. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Is there more you can say about painting the picture of what it is just in the pure essence space? I mean, I know you did some there, but is it is there I mean, further you can go with that? I mean, it's it's really that everything is whole and complete, but it's whole and complete in a way that's not lacking distinction or discord or mm-hmm. different facets. Like the personality mistakes wholeness for a lack of distinction. 
but essential wholeness is that everything is whole and distinct at the same time. And so it's really like when we joke about philosopher of the universe and all that stuff like that, it's like mm-hmm. the, the nine really does intuit the sense that I am simply an organ in the larger body of the universe and that everybody and everything is also equally an organ. And so it's like sometimes get to be a lack of, in a sense, you say like self-respect because it's like I'm trying to make room for all these different sacred organs in the universe you know I'm, I'm not really taking my place because it's like i'm trying to allow I, i'm on some level intuit the value and profundity of all these different organs all these different beings all these different aspects of the whole does that make sense yeah so isn't philosopher of the universe uh a uh, like a mock-up of sort of being the conductor of the symphony or being connected into all of it or or having some kind of ego you know pride around doing that universal symphony or something like that is that a way to say yes like philosophy universe is on one hand it's transcending all the messy discordant to just be like no the whole the whole the whole but like yeah yeah not seeing the parts but also because of the way nines do nine stuff it's like on some level it's a displacement of their own narcissism right Right. so it's like i'm not owning my narcissism as a distinct individual because if i do that too much i'm in out of harmony but by not owning it it becomes kind of a shadow projection where sometimes like nines can literally identify in on some level with like god right totally (laughs) i assume you guys knew (laughs) We all knew that we were in the presence of the one. <laughs> the one. <laughs> but you we can made see, him wait. But you can see that 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 line to three where like, you know, uh, I was telling yeah. Courtney earlier that like my breathwork teacher once formulated something like for threes to, to really grow, they have to grapple with like a kind of envy of God or a rivalry with God or something. And I was like, hmm. or identification with God. And I was like, I don't know if that's, exactly the way i'd put it but there and it, and it sounds much more insidious than it is but there is this sort of that sense of value of like i'm it you know it's like the one of the the oneness of nine is also the same facet and courtney was and i were talking before and and she was like why do you think you know we were, we were talking about why why is it maybe that triangle types nine three and six like why do they have the difficulties they do with looking outside as attachment types and it may be that that what you know the body represents being and and oneness and the heart represents true identity and in the like capital i sense and then the mental center represents like perception and consciousness so it's like these are the threefoldedness aspects of like the universe or something and so like on one level you can see that we already went through 9 and 3 but like 6 is sometimes trying to be the mind of everybody you know hmm. Like some of their, you could say, like policing things, mm-hmm. is like trying to be everybody's mind and aware of everything that's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of lack of narcissism and and big time shadow narcissism, because what they're dealing with is like the pure distillation of those centers and the energies those centers represent. So it's a really complicated thing because I think all triangle types sense that kind of uh, relationship to narcissism and are sort of afraid of it on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the nine, like when you think about it from like an object relations perspective, 
like really, you know, if you can imagine, like, again, like I like that body analogy, but if you can imagine, like you have this sort of sense of the universe as an organism, as a whole, and you've felt that. And then all of a sudden you have to get like really particular about you yourself as like the one little cell or whatever. And you're being as a being like Mert trying to like feel unconditional love from this particular person across from you or um, feel a sense of um, confidence and in, in your ability to function like that just sort of the mere suggestion that you shift your perspective away from the bigger picture to your own felt sense of you as a distinct individual it, that's that's going to hurt because it's going to feel at odds with this kind of cozier mm -hmm. less differentiated sense of wholeness that the nine was able to sort of <laughs> glimpse very very early on so they're going to try to return to that right by the, by that denial of sort of self and that denial of ego and not realizing that it's through that sensing of self that they actually can get back to that feeling of wholeness and that feeling of participating and being mm. part of a larger organism. It's only when you sort of do your thing to the best, you know, and really sort of be present with it and be narcissistic in some ways mm. about right. what you're meant to do here that the symphony kind of comes back alive. All right. Eat up, pain piggies. <laughs> <laughs> this is some really good shit. This, these last, yeah. you know, three calls. Like, if you can really, like, I'm gonna be thinking about this shit for a long time. There's a lot to get out of it. So I hope people listen to it because um, you're gonna get a fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a cat, if anything. Yeah, <laughs> a cat, a goldfish. <laughs> All right, dudes. All right. All right. Later, y'all. Bye. Bye. I let it in from the